everyone, and again, let me add my word of welcome to you in this new year as we begin this new series that we are calling Let Us Pray. Now, relationships are based in communication, wouldn't you agree? And, uh, and if a relationship's going great or if a relationship's struggling, communication is going to be the key to either keeping that relationship on track or getting it back on track. Let me give you just a quick uh, couple examples of that. Um, our senior leadership team here at Trinity on our staff, our, our site pastors, we realized a couple of years ago that, that, um, that it's not that we had a bad working relationship together, but it wasn't all it could be. And, uh, and so we decided that the key to fixing that was going to be communication. And so we meet more regularly than we used to. We take a couple of days every six months. We go off for a retreat where we have a chance to talk, not just about ministry, but about our lives and how it's going. And that communication has cemented us together as a team in ways we never imagined. Our relationship is stronger than ever because of that. Or uh, here's another example. My wife and I have been married 39 years. We just celebrated our 39th anniversary. And uh, you may think after 39 years, we don't even have to bother talking anymore because we know what each other are thinking, right? I see some of you that have been married a long time just laughing, going, yeah, right. You know, no, it doesn't work that way. We, we still need time to be together and communicate and talk. And, and we find even at, after 39 years of marriage, the more chance we have uh, to communicate and talk together, the stronger our relationship is. Now, here Here's why I tell you that this morning. Because being a Christian is not about following a bunch of rules. It's not about believing certain things, at least not at its heart. It's not about pure doctrine or, or a whole list of things that people tend to think it means to be a Christian. Some of them may be very important. Some of those may not be accurate. But at the heart of being a Christian is this idea that the God of the universe invites us into a relationship with him. Being a Christian is first and foremost about our relationship with our God. And, and so if we're going to have a strong relationship with our God, we need to communicate with him. And in fact, he's invited us to do that. He has a fancy word for it. It's called prayer. And, uh, and so over these next six weeks, we are going to be studying what it means to be people of prayer, what it means to communicate with our God. And by doing so, we're going to look at what it means to deepen our relationship together. As we're going to study between now and Lent. Uh, by the way, one of my friends is a, is a very observant Catholic, and uh, he posted on his Facebook page this week, um, Ash Wednesday that starts Lent is uh, Valentine's Day. And Easter is April Fool's Day this year. He said it's going to be an interesting year to be a Catholic. And uh, that's true for Lutherans too, right? It's going to be an interesting year for us. So, but until we get to Lent, what we're going to be studying together is we're going to be studying how to pray. And specifically, we are going to use the Lord's Prayer. You see, Jesus was asked by his disciples. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Like John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. You see, in those days... If you were a rabbi, what you would do, and that's what Jesus was, by the way. He was a rabbi who had disciples. Uh, uh, if you were a rabbi, you would teach your disciples your rabbi prayer. It, it was a, a prayer that was unique to you as a rabbi, so that when your disciples prayed that prayer in public, people would go, oh, we know who their rabbi is because that's so-and-so's prayer. And apparently John the Baptist had done that with his disciples. They knew the John the Baptist prayer and they would pray it. So now Jesus' disciples naturally say to Jesus, well, teach us the Jesus prayer. You know, what, what? teach us to pray. What's the prayer we're supposed to be praying if we're going to be your disciples? And Jesus teaches them this thing that we call the Lord's Prayer. 
And, and, and they might have thought it was going to be something big and elaborate, but, but here's the amazing thing about the Lord's Prayer. It, it is so simple that even a four-year-old can memorize it and pray it, and yet it's so profound that no matter how old you are, no matter how many times you've studied it before, you're going to learn new things about it. I, in preparing for this series, I've learned some new stuff about the Lord's Prayer, even though I've been praying it my whole life and studying it my whole life. So, so we are going to use that Lord's Prayer together as we study what it means to pray over these next six weeks. And, and I want to challenge you to, to commit, because it's not just enough that we learn something together these six weeks. I want to challenge you to commit to, to seeking to up your prayer life over these next six weeks. Okay, so that at the end of the six weeks, it's not just that you've learned more about prayer, you're actually praying more, or, or praying in a different way than you've prayed before. So, so it doesn't matter where your starting point is, if, if you're saying, well, my prayer life on a scale of one to ten is about a two, commit to try to get it to about 3.5, okay? Or, or if you're saying, my prayer life is like a six, all right, commit to getting it to a seven. Or if you're saying, my prayer life's a nine, stop showing off, because you're making the rest of us look bad, all right? But, uh, but, but seriously, seriously, the goal is that during this series, all of us together will become better at prayer and as a result, will grow closer to the God that has invited us into this amazing relationship. Now, now, before we start looking at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer today, though, there's kind of an elephant in the room that we need to deal with, and that's the idea of, well, why do we pray at all? I mean, I probably hear this question once a month from somebody, okay? You know, they say, Pastor Mark, if God already knows everything that's going on in our lives, if God already knows what I'm going to say before I even say it, if God already knows my needs and he's going to do what's best for me, why do I bother to pray? Why should I pray? You know, they say it's not like God's up in heaven and, you know, like, uh, you know, Mark's friend Dave is in the hospital, so he prays to God, God, please take care of Dave in the hospital, and God goes, Dave's in the hospital? Oh my gosh, Jesus, did you know Dave was in the hospital? Why didn't you tell me Dave was in the hospital? It's not like that, right? So, so, then, so then why do we pray? Well, I've got three reasons for you, okay? The first reason is because God said so. Now, I hate to be the one to kind of play the because I said so card, right? But, uh, but, but the fact is, God loves us, and he knows what's best for us, and in his word, there are a number of times where he commands us to pray, Psalm 32, 6 says, let everyone who is godly offer prayer. God tells us to pray because he knows that it's good for us. He knows it's important for our relationship with him. He knows it's important for our faith. And so he commands us to pray. And honestly, that should be reason enough for us. But, but here's another reason we pray. Because God has promised to bless us when we do. There are countless verses in the Bible. Uh, for example, in James, it says, the prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. In uh, the book of Chronicles, God says, um, Let, when my people humble themselves and pray, I will come and I will heal their land. It, uh, time and time again in scripture, God promises us that when we pray, good things happen in our lives. It's another reason we pray. Here's, here's a third reason we pray, because Jesus prayed. 
Uh, this year for my daily Bible reading, I, I'm going to read through the Gospels and see how long that takes me to, to kind of work my way through the Gospels this year. And I, already I'm amazed at how many times as I look at what Jesus was doing that Jesus would pray. He, he'd pray early in the morning, he'd get up to pray. Um, late at night, he'd stay up to pray. He'd go off by himself to pray. Whenever anything important was happening, like he's praying at his baptism, he's, he prays at Lazarus's tomb, he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's, he's about to be arrested. Jesus prayed all the time. And if it's good enough for Jesus... If Jesus, I don't know if he needed to pray, but he got to pray. He had an opportunity to pray, and he used it. If it's good enough for him, it should be good enough for us, right? So, so let's study this prayer together. And we're going to start this morning by just looking at the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus says, here's how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to go just that far together this morning. And, and there's there's really, I'm going to break it up into three parts for us. Let's start with this first idea that, that God says, that Jesus says, when you pray, here's how you should start. You should say, our Father. Now think about it. Jesus could have chosen a lot of different names for God for us to use, right? He could have said, pray, mighty creator of the universe. He could have said, pray, all-knowing, all-powerful God. There, there's, who knows how many different names he could have told us, yet Jesus chose Father, now, I want you to think about something for a minute. Do you realize that throughout the whole history of the universe, up until that moment when Jesus said this to his disciples, throughout the whole history of the universe, up until that moment, no one other than Jesus had ever called God Father? No one. Abraham didn't call God Father. Noah didn't call God Father. Moses didn't call God Father. Um, even Adam, there's no evidence in scripture that he called God Father. No one referred to God as Father until Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, just like I call him Father, you guys get to call him Father. Think about that. Think about what that means. There's, a, there's only one person on this earth that gets to call me Father, okay? Um, and there's a picture of me the day we brought him home from the hospital. Uh, I can't decide whether that look is, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Or I have no idea what I've just gotten myself into. I don't know, right? But, uh, but I, I pretty much knew that sleep wasn't going to happen for a few months, right? You know? Uh, but, but, but there's one person on the face of this earth that gets to call me Father. And, and whenever he calls me Dad, I listen, um, I have a ringtone, special ringtone for him on my phone. When my phone rings and it's that ringtone, I know it's him. And that's because I want to make sure I grab that phone. Doesn't care, I don't care where I am. I don't care what I'm doing. If it's at all possible, I'm answering the phone. And, uh, and I want to help. I want to, whatever I need to do, right? I want to be there for him. And, and by the way, he's learned now that when he calls me and I answer the phone, the first words he says are, everything's okay, all right? <laughs> Again, because I, I want to know what's wrong. I want to know how I can help. I want to know what's going on in his life. It, 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 I'm going to always listen when he says, Dad. Now, now think about this. That's the way God feels about you. It's like each one of you have your own separate ringtone for God, right? That, that God is up there in heaven and, and, uh, and, and God is just waiting and listening for that moment when you turn to him and you say, hey, Dad, I gotta talk to you about something. And, and he, is, he wants to help, he wants to listen, he cares, it matters. You matter to him. That's what it means that God, that Jesus says we get to call God Father. Now, 
Now, I, I want to acknowledge something, that there may be some of you in the room that that whole idea of God as, of, as father is a challenge because you didn't have a dad that was the world's greatest dad. I mean, the fact is we all, all of us who are dads have sins and struggles and problems. None of us is the perfect dad. And, uh, and, and, and the fact is some of us are worse at it than others. And, and, and so it may be that, that when you think about calling God father, that doesn't connect with a great experience or great memories for you. We want to acknowledge that. But, but, but here's what I want you to hear. While your earthly father may not have been all that you would have hoped your father would be, your heavenly father is. Your heavenly father is the perfect father. In some ways, maybe he's the father you didn't ever have. And so I just want to encourage you to, to, to not give up on God as father, to, 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 to let God show you and let you experience what a true father's love and, and blessing can really be in your life. Or, or maybe it's the opposite problem. Maybe you're like, well, I'm sure God's a great father, but I haven't been a very good son, or I haven't been a very good daughter. And, uh, and, and maybe you're thinking, why would God really want to listen to me? Yeah, Pastor Mark, I'm sure he listens when you pray, but, but I don't know about me. There's stuff I've done in my life. I don't know that I deserve to call God father. And by the way, I would feel that same way. But remember, we say this all the time here at Trinity, there's nothing you can ever do to make God love you one bit less. And there's nothing you have to do to make him love you more. His love for you is full and free and complete. Folks, you don't ever have to worry that you've somehow disqualified yourself as being God's child. The Bible says, behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. We are God's children. And, and there's nothing we have done or could ever do that, that can separate us from that love. He wants you to talk to him. So what, what about, let's, let's go on. So he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does it mean that Jesus says we should say God who is in heaven? Now, by the way, just for the heck of it, I, uh, sitting at my desk here upstairs, I, I uh, pulled up Google search and uh, searching Google's map for heaven just to see what would come up. And, and uh, apparently there's a heaven and hell boot camp on Ogden Avenue. <laughs> so is that what Jesus meant? You know, that God's up doing push-ups on, uh, on Ogden Avenue? But by the way, if you look, there's a, there's, it was a close second. There's a heaven's beauty hair and day spa. I like that one better, okay? That, that sounds better to me. But, uh, but, but no, we, we tend to think that when, when Jesus said, our Father who is in heaven, that that meant God is off somewhere in some place called heaven. But honestly, that is the exact opposite of what he was trying to get his disciples to understand. You see, because for the Jews of Jesus' day, heaven was not some far off place somewhere. Heaven was everywhere. Heaven was all around us. Everywhere you went, there was this connection between the heavens and the earth, between heaven and the spiritual and the physical. 
And, and, and so what Jesus was trying to help his disciples understand is not God is off somewhere. They would have believed that God was off in the temple somewhere. And if you really wanted to talk to God, you had to go to Jerusalem and you had to go to the temple. And, and if you weren't a Gentile, then you could actually go into the temple and talk to God. And, and if you weren't a woman, you could go further into the temple to talk to God. And if you were a high priest, you could really go way into the center of the Holy of Holies to the temple to, to truly talk to God. See, th that's what they thought. And what Jesus was trying to help them understand when he said our Father who's in heaven was no, God's not off in a temple somewhere, or we would think maybe out there in heaven somewhere. He's right here, everywhere. Wherever you go in your daily life, he is there. Did you ever think about that? You don't need to be here in church to talk to God, like there's some sort of hotline here. I think people feel that way sometimes. They're like, oh man, I gotta talk to God about that. I'm gonna, on Sunday, when I'm in church, I, I, I'm gonna... I'm going to make sure we pray about it up at, at the altar, or I'm going to, you know, talk, I'm going to pray there in church, and God will really be able to hear me then. We got the hotline. It's not the way it is. Anywhere you go is heaven. Anywhere you go, you can communicate with God. It doesn't matter whether you're waiting on the train platform and it's dark in the morning and you're waiting for that train to come. You can talk to God there. Or, or whether you're in the Starbucks, or, or whether you're driving your car, or whether you're in the line at the supermarket, anywhere can be that sacred space where you have a chance to talk to your Heavenly Father. I was uh, actually driving on Ogden Avenue the other day, and there was a pretty bad accident off to the side. And, and right there in my car, I, maybe God is on Ogden Avenue, I don't know, but, uh, but I was able to, just in that minute, pray for that family and pray for those people that were affected by that accident. I, I didn't know him, didn't know what had happened, but, but in that moment, I could talk to my dad in heaven about those people that needed his help. Our Father who is in heaven. And then Jesus, now he takes a little turn, and, and, and for these next few weeks, we're going to look at a number of different things that he tells us we can ask God for. Now that we know who he is, and now that we know where he is, he's all around us, he's wherever we are, we can talk to him. Now we get to start asking him stuff. And the first thing that, that God says we should ask him, that Jesus says we should ask our Heavenly Father, is that his name would be hallowed. Now, now that word hallowed is kind of weird, right? It, you, maybe the first thing you think of is Halloween. I, I don't know what that has to do with hallowing God's name. Or, or maybe it's something about being holy. And you're going, well, wait, God is already holy. So why would we ask that his name would be made holy? Because he's already holy. What, what's he really trying to get across to us? Well, first of all, he, he, Jesus is trying to help us remember and understand that there are a lot of people that misuse God's name all the time all around us, right? God's name is used to defend all kinds of political opinions. God's name is used uh, to, to damn or to curse things. My, my dad was a great man of God, but I grew up thinking God hated the bears because of some of the things my dad said about those bears to God while he was watching them play, Right? Hasn't gotten any better in all those years. Right? I, I was amazed at this one. Someone actually thinks God hates bacon. Are they nuts? No one hates bacon, right? But, but, but seriously, God's, God's, God, God's name does get misused a lot. And so what's Jesus really talking about here? He's trying to help us understand that we need to give God the honor he deserves. Now, do you guys know who this is? Anybody know? 
Bobby Hall, good. See, somebody knew. That's Bobby Hall, the greatest hockey player ever. At least that's what I thought growing up, right? I love Bobby Hall. Just, he's, none of us have aged well, but I don't, you know, but, uh, but, but yeah, it's Bobby Hall. So, all right, so this was, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, I was together with a couple of friends, and we were at Starbucks, and Bobby Hall was getting coffee at Starbucks. I'm like, that's Bobby Hall. And the guys that was there with were going, I don't know, I don't think that's Bobby Hall. I'm like, no, no, that's Bobby Hall. I'm, I'm sure that's Bobby Hall. And they're like, eh, I don't know. And I'm looking around, and nobody in Starbucks is even noticing that the greatest hockey player ever is in Starbucks. And I wanted to stand up and go, what's wrong with you people? Don't you know who that is? That's Bobby Hall. I didn't do that, by the way, but uh, I wanted to. See, that's kind of what Jesus is talking about. What he's saying is, when we begin our prayer, we should give God the honor and glory that is due him. You know, sometimes people say to me, well, Mark, I don't pray a lot because I don't know what to say to God. Just tell him how awesome he is. That's what Jesus says. When, when you start your prayer, say, hey, Dad, I know you can hear me. I know you're here. I know you want to listen to me. And I just want to start by telling you I love you. You know, maybe that's a fourth reason we should pray because God would love to hear that from you. Again, Betty and I have been married 39 years. She's probably said I love you to me, I don't know, 20,000 times. Maybe 20 million, I don't know. I still love to hear it, right? God would love to hear from you that you think he's awesome. He'd love to hear from you that you're thankful for what he's done in your life. He'd love to hear from you that you give him the honor that is due his name. That's what it means to keep God's name holy. So, so Jesus invites us to talk to our heavenly father. He, he invites us to call him dad and to understand what that means, that he is just waiting to hear us. He, he invites us to, to do that anywhere, wherever we are, that can be that, that, that special sacred place where we get to talk to our God. And, and, and he invites us to keep his name holy, to, to give God the honor and glory he deserves in our lives. What an amazing thing that is. So this week I wanna challenge you. This week I want to challenge you to first of all believe it. Believe that there's a God. Believe that he loves you. Believe that he is your father. That he is always ready to listen to you and he cannot wait to talk to you. And, and, and here's what I want you to do then. This week I want to challenge you to pray somewhere you had never prayed before. Pray some place that you've never even thought about praying before. Maybe it's at your desk or in the cafeteria at work before you eat lunch and, and you've never done it there before because you think people might think it's weird if you bow your head to pray, pray there. Or, or maybe it is while you're driving your car in the morning, you, you thought I'd, I'll feel, I'd feel silly just praying to my car, do it. Wherever it is, somewhere that you have never prayed before, I wanna encourage you this week to take some time and talk to your dad. And it'd be really weird if we didn't do that right now, right? So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us call you Dad. Thank you for giving us that, that privilege of being able to come to you whenever we want, knowing that you will listen, and knowing that you are ready to do just anything to, to deepen that relationship with us, to communicate with us. And... Uh, 
And, and Lord, we not only thank you that we can call you dad, uh, but we thank you for uh, the gift of our brother Jesus who uh, gave his life so that we could be restored in that relationship with you. And, uh, and we pray, Lord, that we would learn from his example, specifically that we learn from, from this sample prayer that he has given us to, to help us understand what prayer is all about. And Lord, this week, I pray that, that you give each one of us a chance to talk to you, maybe in a place, again, we've never done it before, and just go to you and know that you are there and tell you how awesome you are. Lord, thank you for being an amazing God. Thank you for loving us without condition. In your name we pray. Amen.